0: The phone conversation between fantasy veterans bob harris and mount waldman is a quick and dirty rundown of players units or teams from sunday's games feel it or fuck it is our instant verdict on the fantasy value of a player situation not the ability effort or character of the player this is just how two old-timers in this industry talk when they got a lot of cover
1: in a little time Ah, Matt Waldman, here we are, July 17th. It's like things are actually starting to happen. We'll have things to talk about. This is the feel of our fucking podcast. I'm Bob Harris. He's Matt Waldman. Find him on Twitter, at Matt Waldman. That's a really tough way to go, Matt. I'm at Football Diehards. Go to the website, footballdiehards.com. Find the latest uh, pro uh, Fantasy sports publications uh, there, including the 34th edition of the Pro Forecast, with an article by the great Matt Waldman in it uh, that you will love. Also, the Football Diehards magazine promo code diehards. It's you 15% off of anything you buy there. Also go to com. There's a rookie scouting portfolio that has all the things you need to know right now in your dynasty drafts and everything. So purchase that as well. Matt, how are you today, sir? Wow,
0: Bob. I, you are on it on a Monday morning. I'm telling you. I had, I, I, I just ran a bunch of errands and I could, you know, and then I had a little, bre- <laughs> and had a little breakfast and now I'm like, compared to you, I feel like someone I, pumped you up full <laughs> of Red Bull.
1: I sat on the pretend bike for 20 plus miles and had plenty of time to think about it. So there you have it. Uh, It takes me a long time to do 20 miles. I'll assure you. Um, apparently, uh, DeAndre Hopkins has some travel in his future. Uh, Signed with the Tennessee Titans, one of the two teams that were interested in him. Saw an interesting uh, statistic here, uh, Matt Waldman. Mike Vrabel, the former NFL linebacker, now head coach of the Titans, had the most career receiving touchdowns on the Titans roster. Until they added DeAndre Hopkins on Sunday, Brable uh, with twelve career TDs ahead of Chris Moore, Nick Westbrook, and Kine, and Traylon Burks with just one. Let me ask you this, Matt: uh, DeAndre Hopkins, we have a landing spot. Uh, are you feeling him as a fantasy wide receiver too in this Titans offense?
0: I am feeling him as a fantasy wide receiver too in this offense, and I would say he's he qualifies for me to feel him because. He's in that border between a low end wide receiver two, yep. high end wide receiver three. At least my first initial look at projecting him, and I'm probably going to study some film today of Hopkins and then also Tannehill and see if there's anything that's going to change my mind. But if you look at Tannehill back in, um, you know, 2020, he had a um, he had his best year with the Titans, and I think that Hopkins can be that 800, 900 yard. Player maybe lead the team in targets and be up there in rece- in receiving touchdowns somewhere between seven and nine I think is is reasonable and I and I can see the idea of Tannehill spreading the ball around well enough that um, that you'll see a lot of players kind of in a similar spot you know and I think Hopkins to me if the running backs you know catch a few. You know they're they're probably not going to catch as many as I thought they would now that we have Hopkins in there, and that means to me that we're probably going to see Hopkins get you know be in the nine hundred yard range plus or minus a hundred yards, maybe get over a thousand, maybe even get over ten touchdowns if he is the true leader in this offense. Mm. But I wouldn't write off the other players because of yeah. Hopkins' arrival.
1: We'll talk about some of those uh, here in just a second. Uh, on Hopkins, by the way, Tim Kelly now the offensive coordinator. In uh, Tennessee was the offensive coordinator, or started, I think he started out his career as an offensive quality control assistant, you know, down at the bottom of the ranks in Houston when Hopkins was there. And I think his uh, the one year Kelly served as Hopkins' offensive coordinator was the, the wide last receiver season. five year. Right, yeah. right, exactly. He was, he was he had 104 catches, 1165 yards, and seven touchdowns. So he doesn't know how to use them. Uh, we'll see how this offense plays out. And you mentioned you're going to look at the film. I, I recall. Our friend Doug Farrar at the USA Today did a little bit of a study, you know, when Hopkins was first started being some discussions, he might move on and what he was best suited as. And Doug contends that, you know, Hopkins is no longer that true X guy, that down the field, uh, threatened opposing defenses. He's going to morph into more of the big slot player uh, who's capable of doing serious damage still in that regard. We saw Larry Fitzgerald make that transition as well, at a point in his career. I don't know what you think about that, but. I do think, you know, I'm feeling him now as a wide receiver, too, just based on volume. So that brings up some of those other pieces. Traylon Burks has been going, I think, on Underdog Fantasy at wide receiver 35. So tail end of the wide receiver threes, does this drop him down into the four territory for you? Or are you still comfortable where he's at?
0: No, I'm comfortable where he is, and I'm higher than him on him than other people are. I think he's more of a borderline... Low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three. I think he's going to have a shot to lead this team in touchdowns. And I think that he's going to be probably the leader in yards per catch average. Um, and we're going to see a jump from Burks this year. I think that what you, what you get here is the the, the players that get hurt by Hopkins are going to probably be Oconquo in yardage. But we'll talk about him a little more because I don't think it hurts him a ton. It's probably going to hurt Kyle Phillips. Um, Yeah. You know, a fair bit. And Chris Moore, who, you know, was kind of a sneaky good player for the Titans. Not necessarily a sneaky good fantasy player, except on maybe bye weeks. Um, But now you kind of take away from all of those players. And it probably hurts Tajay Spears and Derrick Henry's reception totals as well. So, you know, Burks, to me, is going to be almost even in yardage with um, Hopkins and then maybe have maybe three to four more touchdowns and be the touchdown leader in this. Because with Hopkins, as you mentioned with Doug Farrar talking about it, you know, hard to really say. you know, you can bet on the age part of it and you can kind of have a fudge factor to talk about, well, he's no longer this and that may be, you know, and I, you know, I trust Doug's eyes in terms of what he he saw with them in um, Arizona. But at the same time, what you see in Arizona may not be absolutely the truth about what the player can or cannot do. It's just what he showed, and what he showed right. in Arizona was that, you know, he was working with a quarterback that throws better in the middle of the field. Um, and
1: the least creative offensive mind, apparently, in all of football. Exactly, Cliff Kingsbury. So. Yeah, yeah. So right. I mean,
0: he was he can dominate up with two way goes, and you're probably going to see him get a lot of those. Whereas, um, you know, if they if they do that type of thing in tennessee uh fairly often um you know he's gonna dominate there too but i think they'll be able to put him on the outside um and he doesn't have to be the x he could even be the z they can put him at the z and put burks at the x and that means that he doesn't have as much press coverage so there's gonna be maybe more quick hitting routes for him um on top of that and you know they're gonna be able to mix and match with phillips in the slot um with Oconquo split out so I think all of that's going to benefit Hopkins and Burks in terms of matchups that they can that they can engineer for those two guys.
1: All right, you bring up uh, the uh, Chig Okonkwo. Uh, currently going off as uh, tight end 11 on underdog fantasy, best ball ADP. I know on Football Guys, I talked to one of the staffers there uh, a week or so ago. It sounded like he was a tight end 10 on the consensus rankings there. Um, does this slow that roll a little bit? I think we all, you know, I want to say, so let, let me just put a fine point on this, Matt Wallman. still everybody's darling tight end uh, feeler fucking. I think that he
0: still is in the rankings part, but maybe the upside part is going to be not as darling because I think I had him at TE7 maybe on my board. I think he falls around the the range of Dalton Kincaid for me, and Dalton Kincaid has more upside. Um, So, you know, low end tight end one, um, but I think that that's... You're drafting him closer to his ceiling now because I think the yardage is going to go down. Yeah, he averaged 14 yards per catch last year. Um, but who did they have? And and then okay. you look at the number of recep targets and receptions he had, I think he's gonna get more targets and the value mm-hmm. of those targets is gonna drop in terms of yard in terms of um the length of those targets. So you're gonna see him probably hover around that ten to eleven yards per catch range, which means probably lower yardage totals than what we were projecting. Um, now that he's not going to be that guy. Um, But I think the touchdown numbers are still going to be pretty strong. I wouldn't be surprised at all if
1: it's almost a three-way tie in touchdowns between Hopkins, Burks and O'Connor. That implies there will be passing touchdowns which implies the possibility that Ryan Tannehill currently going as quarterback 32 is being wildly overlooked. Are you feeling that or fuck Ryan Tannehill?
0: No, I'm feeling that because Ryan Tannehill is a pretty good quarterback. and To me, a pretty good NFL quarterback is the type of guy that people just dog when he doesn't have weapons but when he has weapons he can be a top 10 maybe even higher ranked fantasy guy kind of like Jared Goff you know in that sense that last time Tannehill had a strong group of players and I believe it was um you know Corey Davis and I'm trying to think of the second guy that they had I can see it real yeah okay it was Corey Davis And let's look it up here because Tannehill had 3,800 yards and 33 touchdowns in 2020. And A.J. Brown and Corey Davis were the two receivers there. And they combined for 16 touchdowns and over 2,000 yards um, on 135 receptions. Just those two players. So if I think DeAndre Hopkins is better than Corey Davis, I don't think Traylon Burks is quite A.J. Brown yet and I'm not sure he ever will be, but he'll he'll be close enough in this offense that you can, I think you can expect a good 18 to 2,000 yards um, <clears> combined <throat> between Hopkins and Burks. And then when you look at the tight end, Jonu Smith had eight touchdowns. Yeah. You know, right. in 2020. Uh, and off 448 yards. So when you look at that, I mean, Ryan Tannehill averaged almost eight yards per attempt. Um, in 2020, and I think that there's more weapons this year than what there was in 2020 because after Brown and Davis, you had Adam Humphreys and Kalief Raymond and a young Nick Westbrook-Akine. I think, you know, and then at tight end, Jonu Smith is not, and Anthony Ferkser almost had 400 yep. yards. So if you combine even Smith and Ferkser, they had basically from the tight end position, they had 80 catches for you know over eight hundred yards and nine touchdowns just from the tight end position from the top two guys. So there's you know, I look at this offense and there's enough with the run game and in every position for Tannehill to threaten for four thousand yards um and thirty touchdowns. And I'm I'm buying into that at his at his current value. And I think it's I think it's going to stay rather flat just because the ageists, man, they just they 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 are so good in fantasy football at repressing the level of value, of true value with the with the fear of guys falling off of cliffs. I mean, look, Bob, you know they predicted Bob Harris to be falling off the cliff twenty years ago. And yeah. he's still here, sure. so you know I would
1: just I just put it that way. And well, I, to be fair, I fell off the cliff. I had to climb back up, and it took me some extra time. But I'm here. I am still here. It's I am I I think I'm
0: I think I'm I think I'm off the cliff, like sunning in the in the water right now at this point. But that's cliff. okay. Yeah,
1: exactly. Let's but, talk about my tight end seven. My yeah. tight end seven. You got Chigakonko. Conco I got Evan Ingram as my tight end seven. Uh, got a new deal, uh, three years, $41 million coming off a career season. Look, it, you know, he's kind of been uneven over the course of his career, but in this ascended offense with one uh, Trevor Lawrence, as the trigger man, uh, had a great season. Uh, career year uh, in all his numbers. So, um, so are you feeling him? Uh, so Calvin Ridley is there. Some things are changing, but this still seems to be an offense on the rise. We're going to talk about Trevor Lawrence in a second. Are you still feeling Evan Ingram as a top 10 asset or was last year fluky to you?
0: No, I'm feeling it. I think that really he's a player that as long as he's protected somewhat by other skilled players that take some of the pressure off of him, he does great as a matchup option. And you can target him with a high volume and you can expect a pretty good return from him. I mean, last year, 73 receptions, 766 yards, four touchdowns. I think I think I've been projected pretty close to that, maybe even higher totals uh, at, as a receiver in terms of yardage and touchdowns this year. So I I like him in that range. Um, you got to remember that, yeah, they lost. You know, they to me, Zay Jones plus Marvin Jones as players equals Calvin Ridley. So it, and so you can do a little bit more with those guys. You still have Jones um, or Zay Jones. So, Kirk, Ridley, and Zay Jones with Ingram, yeah, that's a great matchup there, and you get a little bit more with the running backs in terms of some of the things that that room can do. Trevor Lawrence is going to be one year better, I expect him to be more efficient. No reason to be down on Ingram as as some sort of fluke Mm -hmm. unless we start to hear something boneheaded coming out of camp about his maturity and work ethic, if that happens, I'd drop him off a cliff, but that ain't happening.
1: He, he was the third highest target rate uh, there last year, and I—I I, I think you were, you were probably about right. I'm trying to look for Zay Jones' current ADP. He's down the ranks a fair amount. Or are you totally off him? Is it is it fuck Zay Jones season, or or does he still have some value to you? Um, I think he still
0: has some potential value to me, but I mean, looking at Jones, um, where I have him right now is. More in that 500-yard, four-touchdowns range. More of a bye-week option. Um, You know, he had 800 yards and five-touchdowns last year. So I think he's the guy that's probably going to lose a little bit out of the four that we mentioned, Kirk, um, Ridley, Ingram, and Jones. Let
1: Let me put it like this. Wide receiver 57, his current ADP. Feel it or fuck it? I'm feeling that. Yeah, it seems like reasonable to me. It's an ascendant offense. And and by the way, the quarterback, uh, part of that ascension, right? And uh, some numbers came out this week, I think, from NFL research, uh, putting him pretty, uh, like, historic uh, improvement. Uh, statistically, there was a case to be made. His improvement was like any other players uh, This from NFL research. Uh, he went from a passer rating of 71.9 in 2021 to 95.2 in 2022. It's the largest increase in NFL history for a quarterback who threw at least 400 passes in each of his first two seasons. He's going well inside the top 10. Matter. Are we overstating the case here, or is it a possi- are, are we looking at the possibility of him moving into the top five at his position?
0: Oh, I think he's absolutely a top five player at his position. He's currently number five in my long build dynasty rankings um that you, that are available at mountwaltzman.com. You can find them there. And then Win Now cheat sheets, I mean, I have I also have him fifth um on my board. So to to me, he's already moved into that range. He's a smart player. He was one of the best prospects at his position yep. in quite a long time. And I think right. that and 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 though there were a lot of people who, you know, said that was a little bit overstated or overrated after the first year i mean i just i just blame urban meyer uh, you know that that was an absolute I think mess for him to land in.
1: To- totally 100 percent agree with you on that i don't think there's anyone who can argue this. i think Shad khan would tell you uh something along those lines of much more colorful language than we use and we say fuck it a lot here so <laughs> there, yeah, there you have that uh i would like to hear Shad going off on that uh joe mixon we finally have some resolution, it seems, Matt Waldman. I don't know about the off-field issue. Go to Drew Davenport, FF, on Twitter to find out all the latest about that. He does great work there. But <clears throat> in terms of the money, uh, Joe Mixon took significant pay cuts at each of the next two years to stay in Cincinnati for, it would appear two more years. Right now, do you feel like everyone who is drafting him at a cheap price got a great value? Are you still uh, Are you looking to move him up your rankings, or, or fuck it, you're just uh, going to roll with him where he's at?
0: No, I'm still feeling him i had him I had him playing full seventeen games this year had him earning a thousand yards on the ground and really almost fifteen hundred yards total with close to ten touchdowns. I might move him up a little bit now um mainly because that deal tells you two things yes <laughs> you know two things. one is that he knew he screwed up big time and that yep. he does not want to be like the castoffs. Of who are as good or better than he is on the open market. Um, and I would, and when I say that, I'm talking about Dalvin Cook and maybe yep. Kareem Hunt for a year, and even Ezekiel Elliott in the right system. I think Ezekiel Elliott in Cincinnati would be a lot better than people realize. Um, and if they could bring in a guy, any one of those three guys into that system and not lose much, I think he, someone gave him some good advice and he listened and and he wants to be around for a super bowl this is a, yeah. i mean joe burrow is joe burrow is one of the three best i think he's one of the three best quarterbacks in the league if you're not talking about fantasy just reality right. and i would take him over josh allen as 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 great of a as great of a physical talent that josh allen is and obviously he's more, much more than just a physical talent i think joe burrow's ability to create is more mature and I think he's just a, I think he's just a smarter, more technically right. accomplished quarterback. And with that weaponry, I mean Jamar Chase, all those guys, how are you not gonna want to stay in that offense for during that window? And and look at a guy like Travis Kelsey, who's not making what he deserves, but he's like, I'd rather win games. Yep. I'd rather yep. win championships. That's the smart play. You play longer, if and you play in a better system, and you. And if you have the if you have the um, perspective to go, I'm making enough money, I'm taking care of my money and I'm getting to play with people who I think are good and I I respect and they know me and I can contribute. I'm going to stay in this situation as long as I can.
1: Yeah, I think that's the thing you go from, you know, what uh, 10 to or 12 million or something to, you know, half that or three quarters of that. Uh, you're still coming out okay i i agree with you on burrow i think you know there's that handful of quarterbacks that it kind of raised to the level of giving you that extra coach on the field in addition to a quarterback i think it's an important benefit for a team you know i don't know that it does much for us as fantasy players maybe a little bit uh to boost the uh value of the pieces around them but from an nfl perspective i think it's proven to be really good said tom brady um and a whole stack of rings and also patrick mahomes for that matter i think you know you have that quarterback that's so tied to the coach and has such an understanding of the scheme and what, what they want to have happen. Uh, those two would be prime examples of that, Matt Walden, You can take that to the bank. Alvin Kamara! We have some clarity. Uh, last week after we did this uh, podcast, uh, uh, we got some news that Alvin Kamara had uh, pled no contest to all his charges. Uh, I want to say the aforementioned Drew Davenport, who's pretty uh, cagey about these things, put out some, some vague gu- guesstimates, right? So... I think what did he have a two-game or two-game suspension? Like at about ten percent or twenty percent, four to six games, you know, the heavy preponderance, and and it's you know slightly less likely that it would be longer than that. I'm feeling this is a six-game suspension appeal to four games, uh, you know, like he showed contrition by admitting and paying the defendants off, and you know, the, I think the only question here is how. Seriously, the league looks at this video and feels it damages their public relations. Again, the personal conduct policy is a public relations policy. People don't twist it up, and so if they feel like this is going to fly under the radar and how horrible the the beatdown was, and it was pretty bad. If you go take a minute to watch it, it was pretty bad. um <clears throat> But I feel that like that's the middle race. So now that we have at least the degree of clarity that we know resolution is coming. Are you more inclined to be jab- drafting Alvin Kamara right now or less inclined?
0: Um, I think I'm about the same until I see how the, the like you said, how the public's going to react to the video um, because we are in a takedown culture. And right. so, and and I'm not saying that Alvin Kamara, what he's doing is a takedown in a negative sense um, because clearly he, <laughs> you know, you saw what he did, yeah. but So I, current before all this, I had him at eight games played um, and really second on the team in rushing and second among on the depth chart in receiving um, and really Jamal Williams being the main guy. I, you know, I'll put it to you this way. The ceiling for Alvin Kamara gets um, substantially higher from what happened because you could see the outcome being four to six games, maybe just four, maybe even two, as, as crazy as that sounds, you know. And if that happens, and the Saints offensive line stays healthy, they have one of the better offensive lines or could have one of the better offensive lines in the league. Matt who does great work at footballguys.com studying offensive lines, has them rated as a top five unit based on them being able to be healthy. I mean, Trevor Penning is a fine prospect. Cesar Ruiz played really well. Um, you know, their their weakest link might be, um, I'm trying to remember his name, the kid who, the, oh, what's his name? I don't know. I'm, I don't remember the kid's name, but he's the other tackle um, who Andre Pita, I don't remember his name, but he's, he's probably their weak link. Their tackle might be their weakest link. And if that's the case, this team could be a very strong, Offensive unit, and if Kamara only plays twelve games, Andres Pete—that's the guy's name—then um, you're you're talking about Kamara maybe having RB one upside again. But right now, I would say the conservative estimate is to still look at eight games. If you're going to be a little bit more bullish, just because you don't want to lose out on the value, then maybe put him at four games suspension.
1: Uh, and uh still Kendra miller floats around out there and uh i buy the cheap piece and you never know hoping for yep. the best hoping yep. for the best uh, so uh so yeah I, we'll, we'll see soon enough i don't think i think the big news on this is now the door is open for the punishment to come out i have one of the guys in one of my leagues you know the day that this news came out said word on the street is camara's not going to be suspended and i said oh so the street you live on is park avenue because i think unless it is you probably don't know that's that's about as good that's about
0: as good as when i used to say the when i used to say things like if, I, if if my pets came into the room when certain players I, were being talked about then then i knew certain good things i said but you know concerned, i've only had this dog haven't had this dog for a full football season yet the fact he came in when you mentioned alvin Kamara, that can either be a good thing or a bad thing i have no idea i i
1: you so know i do think i mean in, in a league where you know one person has the power to make or break these you know make these decisions and roger goodell and i mean there is an appeal process etc but you know we we have a pretty good history of what he likes to do but but i do think the fact that he's shown contrition by paying off i think that's this is something the NFL does pay attention to. So. Unless, okay. yeah,
0: unless he has okay. video of something with Roger Goodell in an elevator, I don't think that, not much
1: is going to change. My mind strays. <laughs> All right, Tony Pollard. It turns out is going to play uh, the reporting today, as he will not get a long term deal done. I don't think anyone really has been pushing for that because he signed his tag. Right out of the gate, unlike, you know, Saquon Barkley and uh, and Josh Jacobs, who we'll talk about here momentarily. Uh, so Pollard is playing on the tag. I don't think that's a real surprise. I was talking to our friend Derek Brown from Fantasy <laughs> Pros the other day. He has uh, Tony Pollard as his running back one. Feel it or fuck it.
0: I mean, oh, man. You know, when I look at Pollard, certainly can be a top 10 running back. We've already seen that. Here. Yeah. You know, it's already done it. So. But I'd say fuck it, because, you know, overall, he has to prove that he can handle the workload. And that's something that coaches have been openly concerned about. Yep. Um, so for me, he's in the bottom half of the top 10, um, where you could project the outside chance in a top five season. But I believe you're going to see a veteran in town, whether it's Elliott again or another player, um, once, they, once they start to see how Pollard is... Um, physically doing after the first three weeks of the season
1: you are correct and they were the you know they're the ones who put this out last year that they felt like he was best and I don't think you know this was assistant coach the running backs coach put it out there I don't think he was putting it out on the team's official website unless it's something team officially wanted to put out there is that they like him better with a certain number of snap counts not necessarily touches a snap count right they feel like he's great with 30 snaps whatever so reflections that but he still managed a career high in touches and maybe he gets more this year so i I think draft i think he's going at the right spot would be what i'm saying going inside the top 10 i would Well, running backs i
0: would feel rico Dowdle being a fantasy asset as a bye week option more than i would feel tony pollard being an rb1 right now um and i don't think that's a a high um you know probability thing either
1: all right, we're recording this Monday early in the day. The deadline for signing, for getting the long-term deals done is uh, 4 p.m. Eastern time today. So those things aren't done with Saquon Barkley. Sounds, you know, talk to Chris Bisangiano from Giant Insider. He thinks that the Saquon Barkley will get done, um, but we've heard various reports on that, you know. I don't want to get too far into it because it'll all change by the time you're listening to this. So we'll just say it like this. Matt Rita as a hedge, is he being overlooked? I don't hardly ever see him going in any drafts shouldn't he be of interest to people if as if nothing else that he's the next man up behind Saquon Barkley regardless of the contract
0: I think that there's always a chance because when you look at what he did in San Francisco a number of years ago there's certainly talent to his game but because of the stops that he's made and the low impact that he's had ever since both in Buffalo and in New York the I would say that you, you probably don't need to make him a priority because the giants will probably look for another back if barkley doesn't work out
1: switch to a silver helmet and do the same exercise we know josh jacobs seems a little less uh likely to get that deal than Saquon barkley who is not by no means certain to and, and jacobs has been making some pretty you know raucous uh noise about him going to take this all the way to the mats and uh, You know, not going to mess around and maybe not, you know, get into play. So same exercise, Demir White. Are we overlooking him?
0: Um, Probably because I don't know of any former New England Patriots backs that the uh, that uh, you know our coach Josh McDaniels would sign unless he wants to bring Tim Tebow back in and use him as a fullback slash running back hybrid. Um, But White being the draft pick in that regime. I think he gets a good shot. You could see maybe even Britton Brown getting an opportunity. He's another one that would be on the list to consider Amir Abdullah. It'll probably be a full-fledged three running back committee of horror for fantasy
1: players. Uh, As we get closer to the start of the season, it seems like the universe in which one Brock Purdy is not ready to play week one is becoming almost non-existent. Yet still, we see uh, Trey Lance being drafted I've seen him uh, in drafts recently, uh, Scott Fishbowl draft. saw him go well ahead of players named, I don't know, Ryan Tannehill, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, among others. uh, uh, Feel it or fuck it, drafting Trey Lance right now.
0: Oh, fuck that. And I love Trey Lance as a prospect, but it's over in San Francisco. And and unless they have to start him due to injury, it's over. They, uh, you know, adding Sam Darnold to that mix, he's clearly going to be quarterback to And Purdy, Purdy's number one. Lance is too too long of a timeline of development, I think. Or he just didn't bring the right flavor of coffee to the facility for, <clears throat> for you know, Kyle Shanahan. So I, I think that, you know, Trey Lance is, they're going to try and trade him at some point.
1: That was a, like not even a subtle jab. Um... <laughs> So I want to get this one in. Antonio Gibson is, you know, a lot of talk about him being a receiving asset this year. Uh, in this offense, former college wide receiver, maybe he can do this. Hasn't been used that way up to this point. Eric Biennium coming in, in this offense. Are you feeling a little more optimistic about Antonio Gibson's uh, 2023 season than in others? No,
0: because of the fact that they do want to move him back to wide receiver, or the idea that he wants to be used more as a wide receiver. That tells you that he doesn't feel like he's going to get enough opportunities as a running back that he wants to be used more in that in that option. Now, I'll say this. I, I scouted... Gibson both as a runner and a receiver and I had a higher grade for Gibson as a receiver than I did for him as a runner Um, and there's some potential for him as a slot receiver but where's he going to be used because unless Curtis Samuel gets hurt and he played a full 17 games last year they he's not going to find the field with Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin there I mean unless they're going four wide all the time and that's not happening they've got a good tight end so for me, this is Gibson maybe trying to somehow do whatever he can to see playing time. And I, I, I don't know.
1: I think it's a bad thing for him, ultimately. <clears throat> I'm going to call you out of, uh, for your slander by omission of my man, Curtis Samuel. Shame on you, Matt Waldman. I don't feel that's appropriate. What did I, how did I <laughs> omission? I, I, I thought really, you didn't mention his name. No, he's the first guy I mentioned. Oh, okay. See, look at you. Fan I'm going
0: to call you out for, yeah. What, what, call me out for that hosting. That plant's
1: tendrils are getting into your ears, man. Yeah, see, there we go. It's smarter than me. <laughs> I have it am going forward. All right, Anthony Richardson, Jim Ursay, channeling his inner Bob Harris, uh, says Anthony Richardson needs to play. He says, knowledge It's going to be tough, but you know, he's been through this with other quarterbacks, right? Coming in and starting right away. Uh, Peyton Manning had a tough start, but he had an extensive college background. Anthony Richardson lacks that yet. Yet, Ursay feels that it's important for Anthony Richardson to be on the field and to play to get better. Uh, feel that or fuck it.
0: This is the quintessential owner statement. Owners are so fucking impatient, and they're always they're they're the re, they're the reason that when they saw Ben Roethlisberger as a rookie they're all like we need we need a player like him and we need to have him start right away and tons of quarterbacks got flash fried and burnt to a crisp because of owners getting influenced by somebody talking to them whether it was at the golf club the steam room the 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 rub and tug, whatever, you know, wherever they were, you know, at the... You know, sorry, Bob Craft. What do you want me to tell you? You've won a lot of Super Bowls. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and he, and he didn't have his guy start right away. He, hell, he didn't even know who that guy was until he came up to him, practically slapped him in the face by saying, I'm going to be the best pick, you've, best decision you ever made. Um, and pretty much was. But, uh, yeah, I think Richardson's going to play by week six. I think having Gardner Minshew in there over the right. first four to six weeks would be wise. And the only reason that is, is that it's not that Richardson Richard has to get used to the speed of the game physically. There's a lot of checks and and verbiage and things that might take a little longer for any quarterback to have to handle. And why not let him be, get up to speed mentally like a lot of quarterbacks don't get afforded to do it's and allow him to like just kind of be a more active participant on the sideline um getting getting kind of geared up there and then coming in or getting some intermittent playing time i'd be okay with saying we're going to look Gardner we know what you are you know what you are you're going to be in the league for the next 12 years doing exactly what we're doing with you right here which is you're going to play the first half we're going to put Richardson in for a couple series in the third quarter in this game and then you're going to come back in and and do that and then by game three we're going to put Richardson in to start the game and if he fucks up then really badly we're going to take him out and say look Anthony you're still our guy you're our future if Gardner can get it close after you've watched why you fucked up on the sideline a little bit here, we'll put you back in. The Marty Schottenheimer method with Drew Brees. If right. they could do that, that's the ideal. But I would look at it this way. Ursay's tired and he thinks that he know has all the answers and and the money says he does because Just he's accountable he he for doesn't. everything. <laughs> yeah. So he's gonna he's probably gonna dictate this, but if I could you know if I could be the outsider in that room that could pull him out of whatever the 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 uh influencers are at the on the ESPN and the golf course and, or the, and the Fox i I'm, I'm the devil and, on the other side. Play other, him yeah, Jim. Yeah, play him. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm i just tell him listen you you're you already fucked up there, with your, your your daddy fucked up with the move to from Baltimore already. Picture, Picture you know, this,
1: listeners. Matt Waldman is the angel on one of Ursae's shoulders. I'm the devil on the other.
0: That works. That works,
1: because we're both battle angels at that point. So, Alright, let's get fun. this closer to a happy ending here. Uh, <laughs> and Jamir we already Gibbs, got there with the rub and tongue with Bob, with Bob Crabb? <laughs> Jameer Gibbs, uh, there is no secret that I have become enamored with him based on his the draft capital expended, the price he's going in drafts compared to B. John Robinson, who's probably going to the first half of the first round, and I can wait to the fourth round to get Gibbs. I know David Montgomery's there, but also I know Brad Holmes, the GM, is making comparisons to Marshall Falk, a guy he knew with the Rams in 2003, uh, and also Christian McCaffrey uh, when he came out, and he feels like this is a guy that can run routes as a slot receiver but also run it. Uh, feel like fuck it, those lofty comparisons. Is it uh, – is it something you you appreciate, or or should you not be putting this pressure on my guy Jameer Gibbs? Well,
0: Brad Holmes must read the RSP a little bit because the RSP actually compared um, Gibbs as like an aspirational Marshall Falk. Um, but I'll say this: um, for, in terms of how he can be used in the passing game, the fact that his baseline level of skill as a runner is good enough that he's not going to have to be taken off the field or used as predictably as DeAndre Swift um, makes him an upgrade to Swift already. Now, for him to be Falk or Christian McCaffrey, he's going to have to be a good tier to two tiers better as a runner. And I would say I don't think he's ever going to quite get there. Um, But in terms of how the popular media is going to see it, the, the comparison to Falk is probably going to be a, a decent enough one. I, I joke that he was between two Falks. He was between Kevin Falk and Marshall Falk as a com, <laughs> as a comparison. And he's a, bit, a little better than Kevin as a runner. Not quite as good as Marshall as a runner. And still has more to prove in terms of how savvy of a receiver he can be. But in this offense, yeah, you should be excited about him this year.
1: I feel him Falking it. Um, Let's see. Uh, one more here. Amon Ross St. Brown. Still tracking. He's got a notebook, apparently. He tracks the 16 wide receivers taken ahead of him. Are you feeling that?
0: I'm fucking feeling that, man. <laughs> so um, I think that a lot of that...
1: I, I mean, I just love
0: that players are who are motivated yep. and they work hard. You know, if if you're going to use the chip on the shoulder thing... and and you're a hard worker and you're a producer, I don't mind that at all because you probably have it in perspective. You just use that as a psychological thing. Now, if you're someone who doesn't work at all, always getting in trouble, and you're putting on a Super Bowl ring and you're telling people that you're you're flipping them off, you know, a city, you know, as much as I like Kadarius Tony this year, that is my concern. It's like, dude, really? Like, are you going to grow <laughs> up a little bit? Can you grow up just a little bit with that? It make me feel a
1: little better about where I'm projecting. him. But uh... <laughs> It's so funny with Tony because I, I mean, like, totally believe that game, that huge breakout game in Dallas was – the full tony you know that's yeah. like 190 yards and also punched somebody in the face and got kicked out of the game i yeah. mean i think these are that's like <laughs> seems like him in a microcosm
0: yeah i mean he's like i i don't know i'm trying to think of professional wrestlers that would fit with him <laughs> you know bruiser brody but i don't i don't know he's the bruiser brody of, nobody's that old man Nobody our, remembers going to bruiser brody. yeah they should go back and watch bruiser brody that's what i would say but uh yeah i'm on ross St. Brown. I mean, I I have, I think 16 wide receivers drafted ahead of him in fantasy Mm. is probably a, he's a little low, but within range there. Now, in terms of actual NFL draft, I'm totally feeling where he's coming from there. He was probably one of the three to five best in that class.
1: I think we all uh, are feeling this Detroit offense to some degree. A lot of good pieces, a lot of excitement from last year. And Jared Goff is a, is a big part of that. So we'll be waiting to see for everyone to pay off. Sometimes in these offenses, Matt, not everyone does pay off. So uh, somebody's going to be an odd man out here. I hope it's none of mine. All right, that's it for us this week. Put um, I'm off next Slot week. machine. Hey, listen, man. I didn't slagging on Curtis Samuel. Even when you're not slagging on him, I feel like you're slagging on him a little bit.
0: Man, I I'm going to have to like I'm going to have to take my lips and put them like right to the backside, right next to Matt Harmon. Of Curtis right. Samuel. And I don't know if I can butt. I don't know if I'm going to be able to knock that big-haired <laughs> dude like out of the way of, of of doing that. So I might
1: have to just wait in line. I'll, I'll take a number, Bob, and I'll let oh. you know
0: when I get that chance. It might be a good 10 years.
1: All right. I'm off next week. Somebody's going to get a chance to Wally pit me. Good luck on that That's kid. That's right.
0: Good luck. We'll give them a. Right. We'll let them have a, 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 a real game shot at it. We'll try.
1: Love you. Goodbye. Love you. Bye.